Hey everybody, welcome back to The Daily Objective. We have a story for you today. A group called Extinction Rebellion, uh, they're, you'll never believe this, they're, they're protesting in favor of human beings. They're protesting and it's pro-human. But there's a twist, there's always a twist. And here to tell us all about it is a guy who, you know, I've, uh, I've been on a long, arduous journey to learn how to pronounce his name, and I'm happy to say I do it now perfectly. Nikos Sotirakopoulos. Almost perfect, almost perfect. But unfortunately, Extinction Rebellion is far from perfect. So let's give them some credit that at last they did the protest, which has to do clearly with the, the life to begin with of human beings because the group has been accused of being anti-humanist and we'll see whether this is the case. So they did one of these performative protests. So they went to a, a central point outside of the National Gallery, if I can see very well in, in London, and they've split some paint, made it look like blood. And the point was to raise awareness for the problems that the indigenous community faces in Brazil from COVID. So on the one hand, Brazil has the second, if I'm not mistaken, or one of the highest death rates from COVID. And also it has as its head, a president who is, let's say cocky. He's, uh, he has this, what they call masculine attitude towards the disease, which he was, he had the disease himself. He said, I'm taking hydroxychloroquine. I'm fit, no problem here. So the, actually the criticism here is that he's letting these indigenous people die. But here's where it becomes a bit more tricky. The first is how in this protest, Extinction Rebellion, it's not clear what exactly they want, so what exactly they expect the government to do, but also how they package together the issue of COVID with other issues that in their opinion is destroying the lives of indigenous people, which include racism, illegal deforestation, uh, mining companies and big corporations. And if you go later and see what they propose, they propose things like a transition towards a plant-based food system, which kind of makes you see, think, how is this going to help people, specifically as we know some people, do not respond well to that diet or whatever. But let, I said, let's give them benefit of the doubt and see who exactly Extinction Rebellion is. So I went to their website and what did I find out? So they are against, among other things, ecocide, whatever that means. It's genocide, eco, you get the point. Oppression, we don't know oppression of whom by what. That takes courage, that one, being against oppression. I've never seen anyone be that brave. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt, go ahead. Yeah, this is as opposed to everyone else who is pro-oppression. Yeah, we're all, most of us are very pro-oppression. Yes, you wouldn't guess it, but also again, patri patriarchy or patriarchy or however you people call it, it's a Greek word, I can call it however I want. And again, heterosexism. What are they for? They are for a rise of love, but then after they give their manifesto, they said, by the way, this is not our official view because we haven't got an official view. Each one can have their own view. And then they say that we have to be dedicated, selfless and self-sacrificial. 
And I would say, reading the rest of the program, you are indeed these things. They say there is a third world war going on, and it's profit versus life. We are on the side of profit, so maybe there are some Nuremberg trials coming up for us. And then they may mention more problems like loneliness. Now, no idea how this is related to, to the destruction of nature. And then they say that there should be a new economic model which is based on, quote, only what is given from wind, sun, and tides. And now my suspicious mind says that if our economy and production is based on this, we're going to have the biggest genocide in human history, but maybe that's me who is lacking love and is on the side of profit. So what do we make of all this? Um, you know, I try telling people every day that philosophy is heavy equipment, that it's serious business, that there are co uh, consequences to what people believe. And everybody says, oh, no, it doesn't. We, we're just, you know, we're biologically driven or products of our environment. And I think both of those have a kernel of truth. But we have a school of thought in the mainstream intellectual world that thinks we're entirely driven by our genetics, by our biology, and a school that says, no, we're completely conditioned by, you know, what society tells us we are, our identity. And these two supposed enemies, they meet in the middle. They, they, their common ground is love for the ecology, love for the pristine nature, because of course the biological determinists love that. That's pure nature, quote unquote. And then for some reason, the, the social constructivists, they seem to put all of that so, so societal stuff aside and say, yes, we need to save nature. We need to save the pristine earth. And they just want to throw all social conventions, not all, but many social conventions in the trash and join pristine earth. Um, so what these people are actually doing is, like you said, they're packaging a bunch of things together. They're saying, you know, we don't want people to die from COVID. And also we hate the patriarchy. And also we're opposed to corporations, capitalism, this, that, and the other. And if you stand against them, that means you're pro-fascism, you're pro-genocide, you're pro-patriarchy, ecocide, and genocide. I mean, these people do not have the interests of anybody any person and not even any animals or anything. They are purely destructive. If they, if they wanted what's best for the indigenous peoples of Brazil, they would ask, what is the nature of a human being, Brazilian or otherwise? And they will find that we have more in common, all of us, white guys in Europe, indigenous people in Brazil, Greeks, Middle Easterns, Africans, we all, we're all cerebral, conceptual thinkers. We need to be conceptual and to think abstractly and to plan for the future in order to live. And that's how we're best guarded against the elements. And that's how we're best guarded against COVID-19 and any other problems. And that's how we're able to sustain ourselves. And we need to do that individually by using reason. So in fact, it's civilization that everybody who wants what's best for human beings ought to advocate for civilization and it's it's um it's essential being individual rights of every individual individual right to property and the and the right to speak which really is an extension of the right to think and live by your own judgment in my understanding any any anything you hear on the show just see it as a stepping stone to investigate further and to study i don't i don't even mention that enough
So yeah, what these folks are doing is, and as all nihilists do, and I, I, I try not to throw that word around, but I will call these folks nihilists. What they do is they bundle their destructive cause with something that would appeal to most rational people. So most rational people, they don't want to see any sort of side, not genocide, not ecocide, if it means destruction and death. We, we tend to turn a blind eye to in insecticide because we all hate those pesky bugs. But um, the, these guys are smart enough to know that, oh, no, 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 just make it seem like they're pro-planet Earth, that they're pro-beautiful pro flowers and, and agile animals and indigenous people. Now, when it comes to the issue of indigenous people, this is level 10. This is the final boss when it comes to applied philosophy. This is where we need to really, really challenge the conventions of our culture. And when I talk about the conventions of our culture, think about how we're taught to think about this issue. The, the perfectly innocent and indigenous peoples were swept away and evil capitalist civilization was installed in, their, in its place. And what I will offer you is the following. It is true that many atrocities were committed against indigenous peoples on every continent on this planet. But what those indigenous people always needed and what they need today, just like I need today and you, the viewer, need today, is your individual rights protected and the system of capitalism as it means for you to live freely and prosperously and to pursue the best life. So um, we need to um, resist this narrative that says that all, all, uh, all modern civilization is an ongoing crime and, and that all civilization is an occupying force on the pristine land that is being withheld and, and uh, held hostage and kept away from its rightful owners, those who don't believe in ownership. We need to challenge that completely. Realize we've been brainwashed by shows like Captain Planet and by many teachers, including science teachers, biology teachers, etc. We need philosophy. We need to rethink a lot of these fundamentals and then to realize that the people protesting in uh, rebellion, what do they call Extinction Rebellion, these, these are not good people. These are not smart people. They are most disagreeable and they irritate me. So I, I, will, I will play a bit again as usual on devil's advocate and just say that knowing the nature of the regimes in Latin America, I wouldn't be surprised if in the vast majority of the cases, land was taken from people who, I'm not talking about nomads without an idea of land ownership, but people, let's say homesteaders, taken from them in very wrong ways. Now, I'm happy to join a protest for property rights of indigenous people, because that's the same as saying individual rights of indigenous people. My suspicion is that indigenous people for these groups is like a bit like the proletariat for Marx. It's this group on which their whole worldview kind of comes together. No industrial society, uh, no supposed no hierarchy, if you know anything about, and again, indigenous groups, it's, it's like saying, you know, people who live in cities. People who lived in cities under the Third Reich had nothing to do with people who lived in uh, Hong Kong when it's free, it was free, whatever. So many indigenous tribes were good, many were not good. In any case, personally, that's not how I would want to live. I think life at its fullest requires civiliza industrial civilization and technology, but that's not the point. But on what, on, so on what you said, I agree that this is the standard, but my problem is that these people are not, do not have their best interest. And again, 
I'm not saying they're bad people who wake up in the morning and say, how am I going to destroy lives? They think they're good, doing well. And I'm sure they watch, let's say, videos with animals being abused and they cry. And they're, I, I, I'm not even saying they're not good people. As I said in a previous episode, you know, I was a Marxist-Leninist. So people can have wrong premises, but the right heart, so to speak. But this is not the issue. The issue is that this is a group which is celebrated by celebrities, quite often by the mainstream media. And again, this is a group that if we go by what it says, we're going to have a disaster compared to which COVID will be a joke. Like, take only the issue of energy. Take the issue of energy poverty. Imagine these people having their own way on energy. Imagine the people having their own way on issues of diet or on issues of industrial civilization in general. So the very important thing here is ideas have consequences. But I want to bring on one more thing. And this is the issue of performative protest, which is the signature of Extinction Rebellion. Now, this is something that we've seen from the 1960s onwards. People doing a performance rather than a protest. And what is the point of a performance to hit you in your emotions. It's an emotionalist protest. My suspicion again, and when I say my suspicion is a humble way of saying I'm almost certain, is that this happens to masquerade, to put a mask to hide their lack of ideas, of a real, truly ideology. So you ask them, how do you help people from COVID? As you said, we need good medicine, we need all that. They don't care. They cannot make the point that we want ideas which could lead to a huge disaster. So they do, the, they do die-ins. I mean, that, the die-in is like an emotional blackmail if there ever was one. You That's where that they lay down. Yeah, go ahead, sorry. I, sorry? I was making sure you describe what a die-in is, but you're about to. Yes, yeah, so a die-in for people who don't know is you fall on the ground and you pretend that you're deaf and you do this to criticize a policy. So some people did it in a university recently saying that if the university opens from COVID, Basically, we're going to die, which, anyway, again, you know, you, you, can, you, you can get the, the idea. So, Leonard Peikoff, in one of his legendary Ford's follow, uh, Ford Hall, anyway, uh, how was it called? The, the Ford Hall, anyway, you, that place that he was giving these big annual lectures, he had a lecture, which you can find on YouTube, which is called, A Picture is Not an Argument. And he was discussing about... Uh, about the issue of abortion. And he describes how he was invited to an event and his opponent would put a video, you know, with a, a, an aborted, uh, how is it called, a baby that was uh, killed according to, or however the proper way to explain it is. And he said that he declined the invitation because he said the picture is not an argument. It's, it's the issue is not what you see. This is even a, a, a level below. You don't show them a real picture. You, you tell them you need to be worried. So most of the protests of Extinction Rebellion, that's why they're creepy. That's why they have this element of blood. It's almost watching like a thriller. So they, they, they don't even want your pity. They want your lowest level of fear. And the, because they cannot, in my opinion, support this with evidence, they go to this kind of gesture. That's what we have protest as a performance or sometimes often as a carnival. And I think when you see that, you should be very suspicious that there's a lack of ideas behind it. 
Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I think objectivists tend to be pretty good about recognizing that debate is not the best way to persuade people. Um, and I think we, we ought to keep that in mind. The way philosophy is spread is by speaking to people's values, often through art. And also explicit philosophy has a role to play, especially with academics, I suppose. But, um, but how, did, how did Ayn Rand reach you and I? I mean, you and I, we both have a past. You mentioned you were a Marxist-Leninist. And I was a bit more advanced than you before discovering objectivism. I was, I was more an advanced um, nihilist. I, I was more like these folks in Extinction Rebellion. I could see myself ending up there later in life if I had not found a better way, but it's, it's hard to gauge where I would have ended up. But Ayn Rand did not go out and debate. She did not go out and even try to persuade. She depicted in, her, in the Fountainhead, in her novels, the image of a, an independent and rational architect ends up looking sexier than your most adventurous indigenous people, your most, just any other um, type of archetype you can imagine. Just a quiet, uh, reserved, independently rational architect in the 1930s with red hair somehow looks sexier than all of these other things. So that is what speaks to people at the end of the day. That's the bottom line. And, um, you know, all of these people, you know, you said you're, you don't think they wake up and think oh, I'm going to destroy. I don't think that's what most people think either. But like I said, philosophy is heavy equipment and it's serious business. And we have been uh, indoctrinated virtually everyone growing up in the modern world, most of us or all of us, we've been in some way or another fed things by the media that without us noticing has tinkered with the way we think about things. Philosophy is serious business. You know, I'm reading Arthur Herman's book on uh, Plato versus Aristotle. And I think uh, Herman is making the case that Plato was the inventor of even like, like, like urging for change, like just saying like, we need to change society and here's my vision for it. Before Plato, like maybe no one had even done that before. So these little things we see everywhere and take for granted, a philosopher came up with it and, and unleashed it into the culture. So every little thing matters. We need to really, really examine these things. We need to introspect. People like you and me have an advantage, Nikos, because we have a past. We're able to um, uh, sort of assume the mindset that a lot of these people have. And we need, we can, they're, they're humanized. We, we understand sort of where they're coming from. It does get to a point where they are, where if we are uh, offering an alternative and trying to reach people's values and they're still turning it away, we can say they're being immoral, they're being irrational, but uh, it is important to understand the premises behind these people. These people, they're not animals, the people who are behaving this way, who are, who are urging against civilization and against ecocide. They are not animals. They are not, uh, you know, driven by instinct and impulse. They are following a philosophic premise that they hold. And that is where the battle is. That's what needs to be challenged. And you know how they say that for everything, there's a Trump tweet. The line of this show that is for everything, there's a line in Atlas Rugged. So do you remember this character, which is called Kip Ma? She's, she's a sociology teacher or something turned Buddhist mystic. I think her son was, was killed at the, at the tunnel accident. Anyway. So what Kip Ma does is she's praising kind of the ideal of the Orient and she's trying to impose a soybean diet. So one, while the grain is perishing, 
the government is taking is is taking the trains and all the money and throw them to keep mass soybeans. So it's again there's like nothing happening. Okay, not literally. There's almost nothing which is happening, and Rand hasn't almost specifically said to Atlas Rag, "Be careful, because the people who believe these things are going to lead you to that outcome." So, yeah, and there's there's nothing that says reality is objective, like seeing your food spoiled and unedible. You really know exactly. that there is an objective standard then. Exactly, exactly. So we started this show thinking we could give half a point maybe to Extinction Rebellion. This point is taken back and actually we give minus five points or whatever our scale is because their underlying ideas is are going to be destructive, not only for the indigenous people in Brazil, which... We sincerely hope that, uh, like everyone in the world, that uh, we're going to deal with COVID. But the way we're going to do it is the, almost the exact opposite of what Extinction Rebellion stands for. So that's it for today. Unless, Raka, have you got anything to add? Well, I'm not often at a loss for words. I guess I'll just say one more time. Philosophy is heavy equipment. And, um, you know, it's, it's very easy to be dismissive of people we see acting so rowdy. I mean, we've been seeing these for well over half a century, but especially in the last few years, and the internet has accelerated it. The internet has uh, shown a light on the most barbaric elements of our culture rising up. But remember, philosophy is where the battle ultimately is waged. And I think uh, Ayn Rand uniquely points out that philosophy is best communicated through art. So read Ayn Rand's novels and give one to a friend, give one to an enemy, get, get, get the Fountainhead out there. If everyone reads the Fountainhead, we've got a much better chance than just by uh, pointing and laughing and scolding the people who behave this way. And also I have now a last point. Compare the sense of life of people who, you know, they saw their dead or the blood with the sense of life of the final scene in the Fountainhead with the heroine going up and the hero standing on, like whenever there's no, hasn't been a single time that I don't get a goosebump or almost a tear. So I'm not gonna describe the scene because the last thing we want is a tear died because on the show. Therefore, read the founded heads and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.